Welcome to the Global Watch Prayer Podcast. Thank you for joining us as we build community in prayer to empower the church from local expressions to global connections. For more information and resources on the Global Watch, visit theglobalwatch.com. So welcome everyone. This is the Global Watch. It is 3 p.m. Jerusalem time, early in the morning for many people, late in the afternoon for many others, but we want to welcome you. This is the UK Watch. And this is a group of people that are so serious about being up on the wall. So we just want to extend blessing, locking shields with you as we pray and engage in what you have to share with us today. So we just want to speak God's blessing over, over each one of you. And then over to you, Barry and Brenda. Bless you. Thank you, Amy. As always, it's a real privilege when we join, when we're all able to join in what is such a wide family, isn't it? The Global Watch and the individual communities. But so thank you all for your faithfulness in in coming today. And we hope that you'll find uh, today's session to be very helpful and informative. Uh, I think that uh, we have to put our hands up and realize that uh, certain things that have been declared in the past um, we're not really in our understanding. But um, anyway, so as we start, let's just have a look at the Word of God and just wanted to read just a few verses from Psalms. Psalm 34, 3 says, Oh, magnify the Lord with me and let us exalt his name together. Psalm eighteen thirty. As for God, his way is perfect. The word of the Lord is tested and tried. He is a shield for all those who take refuge and put their trust in him. And finally, Psalm 19:14. Let the words of our mouths and the meditation of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our firm, impenetrable and rock and our redeemer. So we just want to thank you, Father, that we have your word, that your word never turns and it never changes. And we thank you that we can look to the authenticity of your word to guide us by Holy Spirit in all that we do. We want this time and as always to glorify the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, Yeshua HaMashiach. And we just want to thank you that as we walk through this adventure this morning, this afternoon, this evening, whatever our time zone is, that you will just set our feet on the path that you have set for each one of us. So we thank you for that, Father, and we just want to set really the scene for today's session. And Bernie is very kindly going to read from Romans chapter 8, verses 14 to 28. Thank you, Barry. For as many as, led are by the, as many as are led by the Spirit of God, these are the sons of God. For you did not receive the spirit of bondage again to fear, but you receive the spirit of adoption by whom we cry out, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ. If indeed we suffer with him, that we may also be glorified together. For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. For the earnest expectation of the creation eagerly waits for the revealing of the sons of God. For the creation was subjected to futility, not willingly, but because of him who subjected it in hope. 
because the creation itself also will be delivered from the bondage of corruption into the glorious liberty of the children of God. For we know that the whole creation groans and labours with birth pangs together until now. Not only that, but we also who have the first fruits of the Spirit, even when we ourselves groan within ourselves, eagerly waiting for the adoption, the redemption of our body. For we were saved in this hope, but hope that is seen is not hope. For why does one still hope for what he sees? But if we hope for what we do not see, we eagerly wait for it with perseverance. Likewise, the Spirit also helps in our weaknesses, for we do not know what we should pray for as we ought but the Spirit himself makes intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. Now he who searches the hearts knows what the mind of the Spirit is, because he makes intercession for the saints according to the will of God. And we know that all things work together for good to those who love God, to those who are the called according to his purpose. Amen. Amen. Thank you. Thank you, Bernie. And Amy, if we could uh, ask you to put up the, the song, that would be much appreciated. Thank you, Amy. Thank you for doing that. I think that says a lot, doesn't it, to us continuing. If I may pass the reins over to our brother David, and David's going to bring to us a background in terms of what we're looking at today. Yeah, yeah. Hello, everybody. <clears throat> Bless you. Um, there's uh, a fair bit of information that we need to give uh, so that there can be a clear understanding of uh, what the Lord wants to do with it. So forgive me if I have to read some of it, because the details are important, and I don't want to get anything wrong with regards to this, because... It's very clear that God wants to do something quite unique today, worldwide. And we do believe that the Lord is able to do that. So I'll give you a little bit of an overview of uh, why we need to deal with some of the roots that were in the Westminster Confession that was given hundreds of years ago. Um, I will produce uh, the paper for you if you want it afterwards. So uh, d d try not to take too many notes, otherwise you'll be busy all the way through it. Let me just give you this uh, overview of why we need to deal with some of the error that was in the Westminster Confession of years ago. It is an article of faith in much Reformed theology, that the gifts of the Holy Spirit were for the time of Christ and the early church, but not for today. This has been taught in theological colleges of all denominations across the British Isles and worldwide. And it has been stated in Confession of Faith, upon which Reformed churches say they stand. Hence the church has been robbed of a key of the true manifestation of the power of the Holy Spirit, and that to set people free from deliverance and healing. And in turn, this mixture has hindered the liberty 
and the freedom of so many who could have been part of the fivefold ministries. The true church has every need of the gifts of the Spirit to be an active part of the body of Christ, as it was in the early church. Therefore, we are to declare God's will and God's way over the church for the days ahead by pulling down this false teaching and laying out the desired will of the Father and the Son Christ Jesus and the Holy and life-giving Spirit. So dealing with these roots issues involves addressing elements of the right back as far as 1646 where there was declared a Westminster Confession of Faith and other confessions that derive from it, such as the 1689 Baptist Convention of Faith and the 1724 Philadelphia Confession. However, where error and mixture has come in, we have a duty to point it out in love. If an access point has been given, even unknowingly, especially through the spirit behind Freemasonry, we must take action to deal with it. Spiritual roots and the connections. The Westminster Confession stands on the shoulders of the dominant Calvinist theology of its time, and this theology has strong connections with the spirit of Freemasonry, and you know its covenant with death. Through it, certainly er erroneous teaching has infiltrated the church. Through Freemasonry in its form is said to date from a later period, the spirit behind it can clearly be seen well before the Westminster Confession was made. Augustine and Kelvin both refer to the great architect, a term used in Freemasonry for the deity that they worship as God. Luther was a Rosicrucian, a form of Freemasonry, and C.H. Spurgeon not only had the Metropolitan Tabernacle in London dedicated to the great architect, but claimed Calvinism is the gospel and is regularly pictured in Masonic poses and making Masonic hand gestures. We acknowledge these connections with Freemasonry are circumstantial and the Bible itself describes as God as the architect and builder in Hebrews 11.10. However, in his 1893 sermon entitled Abraham, a Pattern to Believers, Spurgeon said, the best builders of earth cannot be compared to the great builder above, the great architect, the everlasting Freemason. Father God, we know, was the architect, but Christ Jesus was the creator. The drawings of the architect have no value unless they are built upon. And only Christ Jesus can do that, where he said, I will build my church. In Freemasonry, there is a rejection of Christ. In Calvinism, there is a rejection of the present day work of the Holy Spirit. Over the years, many notable theologians 
have been adamant that Christianity and Freemasonry are completely incompatible. But this has done little to stop most major denominational churches failing to root out the spirit of Freemasonry within the church. There are 32 articles of the Westminster Confession, most of them acceptable. However, there are two main aspects we want to highlight. First, as to statements concerning determinism and what this says about the character of God, and second, about what is said concerning the Holy Spirit and Israel. Under the heading God's Decree, in Article 3 of the Westminster Confession, point one says, God has decreed in himself, decided by himself, from all eternity, by the most wise and holy counsel of his own, freely and unchangeably, all things which will ever come to pass. And in point three, by the decree of God for the manifestation, the expression and revealing of his glory, some people and angels are predestination, predestinated or foreordained to eternal life through Christ Jesus, to the praise of his glory and grace, so that his glorious grace might be revealed and praised. Others are left to act out in their sin to their just condemnation, to the praise of his glory and justice, so that his glorious justice might be revealed and praised, unquote. At least one leading present-day Calvinist minister has conceded that, taken to his logical conclusion, point one means that God has decreed all rapes, murders, abuse, domestic violence, and other evils, and that the logical conclusion of point three is that God actively condemns some to damnation. This is not the one we know. This is not the God that we know. So the confession does not address baptism in the Holy Spirit, the importance and the use of spiritual gifts for today, or present-day healing and miracles, whereas experience leads us to testify to the reality of these things. Neither does the confession acknowledge that Israel and the Jewish people continue to have a central part to play in the plans and purpose of God, and have not been replaced by the church given it claims to be a complete doctrinal summary, the confession's silence on such matters strongly suggests its authors took a contrary position. And Jonathan will open up this a little more in a bit. So the offshoots of the Westminster Confession, the Congregationalists at the Savoy Conference in 1658 took the Westminster Confession as their basis of faith. In 1677, the Peculiar Baptists also took the Westminster Confession as the basis of their new confession of their own 
and was published as the Second London Confession. 1689, the Baptist Confession of Faith, also known as the Second London Confession, was based on the Westminster Confession. In the USA, the famous Philadelphia Confession was derived from the 1689 Confession. The Philadelphia Baptist Association officially confirmed its adherence to the 1689 Confession, and they did that in 1724. With some minor additions, it was reprinted by Benjamin Franklin, a Freemason, and became known as the Philadelphia Confession. We can see the mixture of the Masonic attached to this all the way through. We are earnestly seeking in these days for a move of God in our nation and indeed throughout the world. Yet if we accept those parts of the Westminster Confession highlighted above, we are seeking and desiring something that is contrary to God's will, God's word, and God's ways. So we must decide what it is we believe and how we are to move forward in faith. James 1.8 tells us a double-minded man, church, people of God, is unstable in his, their ways. James 2 says, for whoever shall keep the whole law and yet offend in one point, he is guilty of all. So for our part, standing as watchmen, as we do, <coughs> Can we say this? There is something like a cancer in the body and it must be rooted out and addressed as the church cannot come to its full strength and maturity with such a false foundation. You know the story in Joshua 7. The story is told of Israel's unexpected defeat by the Amorites due to Achan having in verse 1, took of the cursed thing. They hid it in the earth, in the midst of his tent. The major evangelical denominations are preaching that the demise of the current church is due alone to the onslaught of the enemy and personal unrighteousness, but has taken no time to consider, as with the example of Joshua's army, what it has hidden in the tent that is giving the enemy a legal right to assail it. The plain fact is, my friends, we cannot expect God to give victory until such things have been rooted out of the church. It tells us to have nothing to do with apostasy. He tells us to reveal the things that are not born of his spirit. So I'll leave that with you. Jonathan's just going to share a little bit with reference to this to do with Israel right now. Brilliant. Just before that, if we could have the scripture, please, that would be tremendous. That would be tremendous. I found muted. <laughs> Romans 10, 8 to 12. But what does it say? The word is near you, in your mouth and in your heart. That is the word of faith. 
that we are proclaiming. For if you confess with your mouth that Yeshua is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart it is believed for righteousness and with the mouth it is confessed for salvation. For the scripture says, whoever trusts in him will not be put to shame. For there is no distinction between Jew and Greek. For the same Lord is Lord of all, richly generous to all who call on him. Amen. Amen. Barry, please give me a hard stop if we overrun, because I know we're on a timetable. Okay, so just tell me whenever we stop. Okay. Uh, I'm going to try and get through this. It's not an exam, everybody. If I if I'll put my email if people want a word document about this. Okay. Please bear in mind, I'm a wretched sinner who's only going to heaven because the blood of Lord Jesus Christ, his innocent blood shed for me at Calvary. I'm going to have to say some stuff about some people, bearing in mind that I know I'm a sinner myself. Now, to balance up what I'm going to say, just please bear in mind, there are millions of people who have been Calvinists and are Calvinists who contributed wonderfully to the body of Christ. And I thank our great God for them. For example, Oliver Cromwell, who became absolute ruler and military dictator of Britain in the 1650s. Well, he was given the revelation to officially invite the Jews back into, into Britain. Uh, which was a fantastic blessing. They'd been exiled for 355 years. Calvinists have done and do great good. Calvinists have scored some magnificent goals. The system of parliamentary government in, in Britain, which in many cases has spread around the world, the main principles, that this was devised mainly by Calvinists. And some of them were, uh, in the 1500s, were martyrs in, in Britain, in England. Uh, one of them was uh, Thomas Cranmer. And these people were burned so that you and I, they were prepared to give their lives, be burned at the stake, so that you and I uh, have the freedom to read the Bible. I want to balance that up before we get to the other stuff, but it's very important what David's going to leave us in, because they, the Calvinists have also made mistakes. They, they've doubled down on the mistakes. This needs correction and repentance and things we hope for, including many salvations in the UK and many in your own nations, will not happen, I believe, until this repentance has been thoroughly done. Now, when the Calvinists were good, they were very good. But when they were bad, they were awful. There's two great branches of how you read the Bible. The one is, let's call it dispensationalism. Basically, you read the words of God literally. You trust God says what he means and means what he says. The other tradition is you assume that God's, when he says something in the Bible, it's allegorical. That God's just given us a story or image we can or should interpret to, re to reveal a moral meaning very different to the obvious one. So for a literal person, if God gives us a Bible prophet, it tells us the Messiah is going to be born in Bethlehem. That's exactly what they expect. But for an allegorical interpretation, they would look anywhere and everywhere but Bethlehem for the Messiah's birth. And if God tells us clearly the Messiah is going to be born of a virgin mother, an allegorical interpretation will think it can't mean that. And that's the problem. This is the, the Calvinists got very much into allegorical interpretation of certain Bible passages, especially Romans chapter nine to Romans chapter 11. Whenever they hear anything uh, about Israel, they think it can't mean Israel, can't mean the children of Abraham, Isaac and Jacob. It can't mean the land. It's got to mean anything or everything else. Now, I'd love to say this is comic, but we're warned several times in the New Testament about not believing fables. 1 Timothy 1 verse 1, 1 Timothy 1 verse 4, 
1 Timothy 4, verse 6 to 7, and 2 Timothy, 2 Timothy 4, verse 4. Also, 2 Peter 1, verse 16. We're warned, really be careful about believing fables. This will take us away from the truth. So we've got to... Now, now this is these are some key verses from Romans 11 before I'm going to just tell you what evil this led to. Romans 11, just, just the key verses. I, this is Paul. I asked then, did God reject his people? By no means. Now, you can interpret that literally or allegorically, and I would interpret it literally. Paul says, I'm an Israelite myself. So I think he's an Israelite, a descendant of Abraham from the time, tribe of Benjamin. God did not reject his people whom he foreknew. Right. You either take that literally or as the Calvinists did allegorically. Again, I asked, did they stumble so as to be beyond recovery? Not at all. You've got a choice, literally or allegorically. They went allegorically. And then he goes on to say that if the transgression of the Jews meant riches for the world and their loss meant mm. riches for the Gentiles, how much greater riches will their full inclusion bring? And he goes on to say that Israel has experienced a hardening in part only until the full number of the Gentiles has come in. And in this way, at that time, all Israel will be saved. You can interpret it allegorically as Calvinism did, but then that my view is I would take it literally. As we move on then, what you get with the Calvinists is what could it mean? Because they're not going to believe what it says and what they came up with. Ah, it's about individuals. Some are predetermined, even before they're predestined, even before they're born in their mother's, before they're conceived in their mother's womb, they're predestined to go to hell. And others are predestined to go to heaven. At which point, those that are predestined to go to hell, we can treat them like cattle. It's going to be obvious who they are. They're going to be poor or they're going to be a different skin colour, right? And we, who are definitely going to go to heaven, they're going to go to hell anyway, so we can treat them as we want. This is the bad fruit of where this mistake comes. And we're told in Hosea, my people are destroyed because of lack of knowledge and lack of knowledge of the Bible. And here, this is where very good people were, and many of them good Christians, had a culture in the pulpit, in the schools, from the parents, the grandparents, of teaching people to do very bad things. And this is what it led to, that the Catholics in Ireland in the 1600s to 1800s, the Calvinists thought we can treat these like cattle. They're going to hell anyway. No point in giving them the gospel. No point in being loving and kind to them. But it's just not an issue how we treat them. And they then, these many of them read the Bible. Many of them were genuinely saved people but they had this false teaching and the false yeast worked through the dough now even into the 1960s that some catholics in ireland uh, the north of ireland were being treated on a par with um, the the 17 states in the usa that i think still had segregation and uh, there was massive social injustice now obviously um the africans who came to the usa uh, Calvinism that dominated in the parts where they had slaves, they believed they were cattle. They were, they couldn't go to heaven anyway. So in most, in many cases, they, you just treated them like cattle. 
And obviously, these you've got saved Christian people doing this, being taught to do it in schools, being taught to do it in the pulpit, criticised if they didn't do it. It led to massive social injustice. And then also, of course, apartheid in South Africa. Wherever, wherever Calvinism dominates, uh, this error of reading Romans 9 to 11, misunderstanding, refusing to believe it's about Israel and the Jews and refusing to believe it's about their future and when they're going to be grafted back into the olive tree, it leads to enormous social injustice. But basically, my, my, my take on Calvinism is that John Calvin and the earliest Calvinist thinkers grotesquely confused the predestination of the children of Israel, an unconditional prophecy about eventually that millions of Jews are going to be saved. They confuse that with the salvation of individuals. This led to a stubborn, aggressive replacement theology. And unfortunately, when a real Israel came along, they doubled down on it. And that's why what David's going to do now is so important, because they double down. You've got pride. You've got stubbornness. We've been believing this for over 400 years. We're not going to throw it out now. Unfortunately, we do need to repent. It's been very important in Britain because it's done so much damage. And it's, I believe, blocks millions of salvations in Britain and lots of other wonderful things God wants to do. I suggest it's done this in your nation as well. So... That's pretty much it for me. Um, I hope that's that. If 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 I hope that's on schedule. Yeah, that's fine, Jonathan. That really is such a an eye-opening situation. Uh, certainly, we came to know the Lord in a United Reformed Church, which was obviously from a background of Congregationalism, which obviously followed that precisely. Although we were fortunate to be introduced to a couple of um, sisters and a brother who were filled with the Holy Spirit and were really sidelined within that church. But we were set free from any inclination towards any other teaching. And uh, we just give uh, all the glory to God for that. So, yeah, it's something which needs really to go out. And this is obviously why our dear brother David um, has been um, prompted by Holy Spirit to to take this to the step of bringing in what is needed in this country and uh, obviously the declaration will apply to everywhere where this whole doctrine has gone out to all the commonwealth countries and all the nations where that form of limited gospel um, was sent so well, let's get down to business um, so to speak and David are you going to you can start with um, the leading into the repentance yes we do need there's going to be a powerpoint put up um, remember, this is a repentance thing before our Father, um, knowing full well that he hears the motive and the intentions of the heart, that we want to lay the axe to the root of this erroneous teaching, and also we want to see the Lord do a work of cutting this out of the body of Christ worldwide. So we made this confession before God in Westminster, London, a few weeks back, where it was birthed. We stood on the same ground where it was birthed, and we cancelled it out in a confession. And then we made a declaration to follow 
of what we felt was the Lord's will for the church in the days ahead. So if you would join with me, you, you remain muted, but speak it out into your nation. Speak it out to where you are into the spirit realm. Speak it out to God in the confession. And once we've done the confession, we'll do the declaration. So we bring this before you, our almighty God and Father, in Yeshua's name. So on the 31st of October, 2023, before making a new Westminster Confession of Faith on behalf of your body in the British Isles, the Commonwealth nations, and all other nations of the world, we came to ask for your forgiveness. We now come again before you, asking you to continue in building a foundation of repentance from Hebrews 6, 1, so that you may cause us to build on foundations that are entirely as you would have them be. We repent of having accepted uncritically everything written in the original Westminster Confession of Faith without having checked this against your word. We repent of having failed to correct things in this confession of faith that are inconsistent with the word or which either by what is said or by what is left out misrepresent who you are, how you act and how you relate to Israel and the Jewish people. We repent of the UK having reissued the Westminster Confession to your body on its 350th anniversary in 2009, when these issues were unaddressed. We repent of having continued to build on faulty foundations. Please forgive us for all we have done and failed to do that is displeasing to you. Please cleanse and purify your body and make its foundations solid and true. Father, we gratefully receive your forgiveness for ourselves and on behalf of your body in the British Isles and other nations where this confession was founded. With heartfelt gratitude, we come now to make our own confession of faith, trusting that you will lead your people into all truth in these days ahead. And all together we say, Amen. Amen. And amen. Can we then go into the confession declaration, please? We gather as members of the body of Christ in the United Kingdom to make a confession of faith for the church in the nations represented here today. 
we do this in humble recognition that we stand on the unadulterated word of God, yet express our appreciation and thanks to previous generations of believers for their faithful and steadfast witness. There were many who loved not their lives even unto death, and we owe them much. We honor the diligent scholars and learned theologians who were involved in producing the original Westminster Confession of Faith in 1646, and we affirm that their motives in doing this were good and godly. At the same time, we acknowledge that all theology can only ever be an imperfect attempt to explain and describe which can never fully be known or understood by man. Though God himself is unchanging, the decree of revelation sinful man can receive may develop over time. We see this, for example, in how Christians came to understand in the 18th and 19th centuries that both the slave trade and slavery itself are wrong, and so campaigned for these evils to end. It is thus right to reflect on what our forefathers bequeathed to us. We believe these are days when God desires to bring to his church not reformation, but restoration, to bring the church back to its original beauty, purity, holiness, and power. Consequently, we affirm that the gifts of the Spirit have not ceased, that they are available to believers now as in the past, and that God longs to bestow these good gifts to his children now and in the days ahead, Matthew 6, 9 to 13. The scriptures contain paradoxes. Things are finite nature and limited understanding find hard to hold together, but which the Bible asserts to be equally true. We are called to stand in faith on the word of God, holding these paradoxes in tension where need be. As the Bible teaches both predestination and free will, and since foreknowledge is not the same as foreordaining, we must beware of putting words into God's mouth. We therefore assert the enduring truth that God takes no pleasure in the death of the wicked, but would rather that they turn from their ways and live, said in Ezekiel 33, 11. Christ died that all might be set free and be able to choose salvation. Standing outside of time, God knows the choices human beings will make. But he does not play tricks on us, meaning our ability to choose is real 
as are the consequences of our choices. We believe salvation is available to any repentant sinner who believes on the Lord Jesus Christ. No limitation was expressed when Paul wrote, if you confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believes in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it is with your heart that you believe and are justified. And it is with your mouth that you confess and are saved. As the scripture says, anyone who trusts in him will never be put to shame. Romans 10, 9 to 11. Our exercise of free will can often bring bad results, which can allow access to evil spiritual forces. But neither of these things are the will of God. His desire at all times and in all places is for our good. For the Lord is good and his love endures forever. Psalm 100 verse 5. The Lord is good to all. Psalm 145, 9. He causes his son to rise on the evil and the good and sends rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. Matthew 5, 45. Everything God created is good. 1 Timothy 4, verse 4. And every good and perfect gift is from above. James 1, 17. God's eyes are too pure to look on, heave, on evil. Habakkuk 1 and verse 13. Those who wrote the original Westminster Confession of Faith did not have the blessing of seeing how God has miraculously fulfilled his word through creation of the modern state of Israel in 1948, when a country was born in a day and a nation brought forth in a moment, Isaiah 66, 8. These events confirm the church has not replaced Israel and the Jewish people in God's plans and purposes. We affirm that God's promises to them remain in full force and effect. We affirm also that the Holy Spirit knows no boundaries save those that flow from God's nature, word, and such restrictions as he has chosen to place upon himself. We call on the body of Christ to arise in the Holy Spirit power in these days and proclaim in faith that by the grace of God, it shall be so. Amen. Amen. And amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Thank you, David. Thank well, you. I hope everybody. I, I, oh, sorry, David. Can I just pray into that? Yeah, um, <clears throat> Father, we just say thank you that you through us have been taking back ground that has been given to the evil one to hinder the growth and the life of the body of Christ by denying 
that part of the Godhead of the Holy Spirit being active today. Today we declare that ground is taken back. And we believe, Father, too, that somehow the evil one, as he accuses us before you of what we have done in the past, Lord, we now come to you. And we want to remove the right and license that he has because the church tried to replace Israel with the church. Lord, we declare today, we now remove the right of that evil one to replace Israel with another fleshly nation. In Jesus' name, Lord, we remove that right and we stand with Israel as we take the ground that was rightly theirs from the river Euphrates to the Mediterranean and from Lebanon to the Brook Nile. We claim that ground that you gave to them because you, Lord, have grafted us in to the root and our roots are there in that ground. And we declare today that the manifestation of the kingdom of God, that first manifest there in Israel, will now manifest in a ruling authority over that whole area. We declare, Lord, the might and the power of your spirit as it were administered through the angelic realm, administered through your body there, your messianic believers there, and through us standing with them today, shall fulfill your will and your way because of your heart and your will to do. So we stand on this solid ground Lord, from these days forth, and ask too that Israel also stands on the ground that you have given to it. And as you have promised, you gave it to them forever. So it shall be. Amen. Amen, amen. and amen. Mm, thank you. Thank you, David. I think we've we've got seven minutes before the top of the hour. We're always conscious of making sure that the daily briefing can go forth. I'm just wondering whether anybody's got any thoughts. We had planned maybe for a second song, but I think that would just be trying to squeeze things in. Really, I think at that stage, it's it's a case of preparing the way for the Lord, isn't it? Preparing the way for the Lord with the truth of the full gospel being made aware to so many who perhaps have not been privileged to receive that fullness and that by the power of Holy Spirit working in every believer that we will see a restoration of the fivefold ministry which Paul reminded the church at Ephesus in chapter 4 that should be in place to build up the church to bring it to the fulfillment of God's plan and purpose. So I think we're at that, that stage, and we just say this in Jesus' name. If we can, I think, probably pass over to Shirley, if, if that's okay with you, Shirley. 
to obviously bring us to the conclusion, but also into the time of the daily briefing from Israel with our brother, past general from the United States Air Force to bring some further pearls of wisdom to each of us. And, and thank you again, David. Thank you, Jonathan, so much uh, for your input. We just, we honour you. We honour everyone on this call for your faithfulness and your diligence in being a part of um, Global Watch um, each day. Um, we thank you so much. Shirley. How's that? <laughs> <laughs> Lovely. It's like in an aeroplane, just press buttons. <laughs> I said, wow, I'm sure many are feeling absolutely riveted from this powerful session that you brought. David Tidy, Barry and Brenda, Jonathan, just everyone, and those who shared scriptures, those who prayed, I just, I, I want to acknowledge you and just say how thrilled we are and how blessed we are to, as the Global Watch, to have this richness and this fullness and this truth and this plumb line, because so often the pendulum swings, but not with the UK Watch. I find that there's such a sharpness and such a purity to the UK Watch just on the few times that I've been um, part of. So in saying that, I am going to ask David Tidy if he could just pray a blessing over us. He's, I don't know if everybody knows the history. I only saw it today when uh, Jonathan spoke about the history and I'm not gonna go into too much detail there, but we have a general not by being an Air Force general, but a general in the army of God, in David Tidy and, and Barry and Brenda Darlings. And we have a general in the making in Jonathan. <laughs> Hallelujah. Hallelujah. David, would you pray a blessing over the group as we transition? Gladly. Father, you are absolutely amazing. And what a wonderful father you are. What an amazing God you are. And we know that you just love to give your people gifts. You love to minister, Lord, your power into them. Not for the sake of power, but for them to be, and for us, to be used of you, to show forth that you are alive and active in your body, Lord, right now, at this time, and in preparation for what lies ahead. So I would simply ask of you, my father, if you would touch minister to anoint Lord, all of those, Lord, that are here today, but will listen and watch, Lord, the recordings of it, that your kingly, priestly anointing would be activated in a far deeper way in their lives. We would invite you, Holy Spirit, in the generosity of your giving nature. Let that river of life 
flow deeper in each one of our lives. Let it flow. You said that from our belly will flow rivers of living water. That living, living water that's coming from your throne room. Father, Son, Holy Spirit, we pray that you would flow in such a way that people would never be able to deny, like they did in the past, that you are the sovereign ruler of the nations right now. So we ask of you, would you minister accordingly through the beauty of your holiness? In Yeshua's name, may it be. Amen. 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 Bless you. Thank you. Amen. I'm going to end the recording right there. Uh, just a quick question. Is this recording going to be unlisted? Or um, will it be public? Well, I, you know, I, I'm quite happy. And I think David and Jonathan are more than happy to for it to be spoken widely because I think there's such a lot of misunderstanding and mis, um, misrepresentation in the past that, but no, obviously the enemy doesn't like anything that's being spoken against his plans, but no, I'm, David and Jonathan, are you happy to, to allow it to be in the normal published sense? I'm very happy for it, yes. It needs to go out. Yeah. It needs to be spread and wide within the body. And we don't fear backlash from the evil one because we're in a covenant relationship with our Lord, are we not? Indeed. We don't fear what the enemy can do. So, Lord, loose this out and minister through it, Lord, in a special way. In Jesus' name, Father. Yeah. Amen. Amen. Amen, because we don't have a spirit of fear, do we? We have a spirit of power, of love, and of sound mind. Sound mind, yeah. Amen. Amen. Thank you. So please.